Hello and welcome to the Inside Elland Road podcast from the Yorkshire Evening Post. This is episode 89. I'm Graham Smith and I'm joined by Joe Arkett to discuss all things Leeds United in what is a very, very big week for the football club. Leeds United are now just four points away from promotion to the Premier League. They've got three games in which to do it, but they might not actually need four points depending on results elsewhere. It will be an absolutely fascinating week for the Whites and it's all been made possible thanks to one man, Marcelo Bielsa, and his plan. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But first, Joe, just sum up how you felt when Pablo Hernandez found that impossibly small gap between Freddie Woodman's hand and the post in the 89th minute to win the game at Swansea. I'm not sure there's many words that would describe how Leeds fans felt when that hit the back of the net or anything because it was almost a release of a celebrate. I mean it's not nothing's been won yet as we know, but it felt like a very pivotal moment. I think relief mainly because they'd had a couple of chances in that game. It was a bit of a war of attrition, but yeah, when that hit the back of the net, I think um I think you mentioned it on social media or whatever, but can you imagine if the there was a full away end at Liberty. I think there would have been absolute carnage. I th- having watched the the video of the celebrations, I'm, I'm I think ninety percent in my mind. I've decided that Berardi would have just carried on into the away end if there was one there, rather than celebrate with the players. If that makes sense, I'm pretty sure he would have just dived straight in. I'm pretty sure people would have on the pitch. It was just it would have been it was one of their moments, wasn't it? So yeah, something for for people to savor. I think. Yeah, um, and I think the celebrations of the players and the coaching staff and the substitutes, I think that betrayed how significant they felt it was because it it was a game that that had been frustrating. First half was crying out for Pablo Hernandez and it was really no surprise at all to see him after half-time. And with Pablo Hernandez, Leeds had a lot more joy. They pushed forward a lot more. Him and Ayling worked really well down the right. Pablo got Leeds moving forward. In the first half, the ball would go to Ailing, and he'd be at the apex of the halfway line and the touch line, and he'd look up, and he'd try and play like a quick ball into Robert's feet or for click uh, or down the line. And quite often, those passes were just cut out, and Swansea did a really good job of staying compact and um, winning an awful lot of free kicks that let them break up Leeds' momentum and rhythm and put pressure on from set pieces. Um Ilan Meslier stood up to that really well, I thought. And Leeds generally stood up really well to it. There was a, a minute where Helder Costa was beaten twice in the air. Um, but other than that, they they held up pretty well and, and restricted Swansea to not really having very many chances. Uh, Leeds themselves in the first half had a chance through Patrick Bamford. It was on his wrong foot and he almost didn't really expect the ball to come to him. It bounced off the back of a defender and into his path. But beyond that, there wasn't an awful lot in the game and the tension was just rising and rising. So the side of Pablo Hernandez coming on at the break wasn't a surprise and he yet again changed the game in Leeds' favour in a way that he has done consistently with his cameo appearances ever since he came back to, I wouldn't say full fitness because he's not starting games yet, but his influence has been unbelievable and, and it's really hard to to put into words, I guess, just how, just how vital he is 
in the squad, if almost just to reassure everyone, never mind his quality, but to, to calm everyone down and, you know, give Leeds the, the impression that, yes, a goal will come. Yeah, he's almost dragging Leeds to the Premier League, kicking and screaming, isn't he? Um, just by, just on his own. His, his influence has been, I think, handled really well by Bielsa because, obviously, I think he knows that they can't ask too much of him, but I think the times that he's come on in games um, since the restart has, has probably all been the correct times. I think we obviously, I think everyone was sat thinking this game needs a little bit of quality before half time because it was I mentioned it before. It was a bit of a war of attrition. You know, both sides cancelled each other out. I thought Swansea did a really good job of pressing the fullbacks. Um, they sort of it looked like a sort of a tactic implemented by Cooper that the, the centre-halves were fine having the ball, but then when it was going wide to sort of ailing, um, they were pressing quite high. And I thought Ayu and Brewster did that really well. And then, like you mentioned there, they were they were winning. I mean, a lot were soft free kicks, but Leeds were sort of playing into their hands quite a bit. So it was screaming out for someone like Pablo Hernandez because there wasn't much quality in the game, I didn't think. Neither side was really imposing themselves. And, and yeah, he's just... <laughs> I think the most fitting goal scorer of that goal in particular, um, and it has to be said, you know, the calmness to take a touch and the awareness to, I'm not, I mean, I don't know how much credit you can give him for picking the post out, but it was pretty much the only spot that you could see that he could score in. And it was as quick as a flash and whether that's his experience or, and, and just natural ability, but he's, I think he is genuinely probably the best player in the championship at the moment. Yeah, I think you're right, and um, and he just made all the difference because he, he moved into the kind of little half spaces on the right, and he was kind of on the touch line, or he was just ten yards inside, um, and it was something that that Tyler Roberts just really wasn't able to do. Matthias Click wasn't really able to do in the first half when Ailing got the ball or when Phillips had the ball, um, and Bielsa after the first drinks break. Um, you know, he's he's clearly decided if he can't beat them, join them, and is not using them as, as full-on tactical discussions. Um, but he ended that with move Tyler, uh, Patrick, um, Click. You know, he, he wanted those three players t- to find room and space because Leeds just couldn't really get them into the game, which meant they couldn't really get Jack Harrison into the game either. And Helder, Helder Costa was in it a little bit more, I suppose, than... Then Harrison, he did have a couple of runs down the right, but it didn't really result in a great deal. Um, but they had been they had been pretty frustrated. So having somebody who, and I still quite don't understand how Hernandez finds space because if there's one man that you'd want somebody touch tight to the entire time, it's Hernandez. You you would imagine that Jay Fulton or someone had had been told, you know, don't let him out of your sight, but he still manages to pop up in space. And play balls down the down the side for Ailing to run onto, um, or to to bring the ball back inside and, and switch play, and he still managed to pop up in the box, um, which is it's for me is is almost it's un, unforgivable from an opposition point of view, just like it was in the previous game against Stoke where he managed to take a corner from the left, and then run all the way across the area, across the front of several players without being picked up or tracked and was left with the, the freedom of the area in order to create a goal. And um, Swansea just didn't really manage to get close to him. But what they did do was they rode their luck. Patrick Bamford should have scored a goal. 
you know, Hernandez picks out Harrison with a really lovely ball over the top. Harrison volleys it across. You know, Harrison gets a lot of stick for not crossing first time. Um, that was a that was a terrific first time ball from Harrison. And Bamford has a header, and if he heads it back from from where it's came, it's a goal. If he heads it slightly to the right, it's a goal. He he managed to head it almost directly to Woodman, who did make a good save. And when moments like that happen in games, it just kind of it adds this sense of oh, this this could be one of those days where it's just not going to come for Leeds. So the tension and the pressure and the frustration was building. Bielsa was a an absolute picture of agita- agitation. I mean, we we were very lucky that we were sat directly behind the bench and with no crowd, you could hear everything that was being said. What strikes me about Bielsa at the minute is that what he says to the players, it's not in-depth tactical, it's, it's reminders. It's just little reminders, um, but obviously very loud reminders. And it's, again, good Helder, good Patrick, again, move. It's all one-word triggers, just reminders that they know what they're doing. They're carrying out the plan, as they have done this season. It's too late now to be changing things, so they just have to do what they know what to do. But they need constant reminders, I suppose, that they need when their bodies are tired and when it's late in the game, they need to be spurred on to you know make that, that next sprint or, or make that move into space. Um, but he himself, you know, he, he looked like the game was torturing him. You know, he was pacing backwards and forwards and, um, you know, you can tell that, there, that he wants this so badly. And whilst his, his celebration for the goal was fairly understated, um, it must have come as a huge relief to him. Yeah, you can, I think you could sort of see, that. we don't see him celebrate too much, do you? But he gave himself a fist bump and then it was sort of right revert back to normal. There's still five minutes to play or however long the injury time is going to be, but I thought an interesting point you made about Swansea there switching off for Hernandez and Swansea of all teams should probably know that Pablo can get into those little pockets but I I do honestly think that that Leeds tire teams out and force them into mistakes so you know the defence had been retreating for a lot of that second half and I think it's something that we saw similarly when Leeds got the penalty against Stoke that all right, you can lambast Tommy Smith for diving in the hell de Costa, but if you then put yourself in, in Tommy Smith's shoes, he's had 45 minutes of being pressed and, and, and hurried and, and trying to defend deep and, and basically trying to make sure that his concentration's at full level to not make a mistake. And then he dives in and makes one mistake and it's, it costs his team. It's like, it was almost like that against Swansea again. The fact that Leeds had sort of run them ragged right until the 90th minute. You look at Ailing's bursting run and... I don't think there was probably many Swansea players at that point who were who were willing to do that sort of work for their team. So I just think Leeds. I think there's a lot of lot to be said about Leeds outlasting teams and forcing them into little mistakes that you maybe think was an easy defensive sort of movement to to sort of cure. But I think it's easy to underestimate the amount of work, and then and that sort of feeds into Bielsa's touchline antics. Obviously, I wasn't there, but. It, I think we've seen from him in the past that he does tend to just shout, you know, one word or two word. And, and that, I think it sort of comes down to the fact that they drill everything in, in midweek. And it is genuinely just that reassurance that he wants to give players that 
what you're doing, just trust the process. And that's what we've seen basically since you arrived is trusting the process. You talked about sort of the repetition this week in your verdict. And I think it's bang on. I think it all sort of feeds into that train of thought. It is literally just reassurance that repeat what you're doing and you'll get success. Just repeat what you're doing and, and it proved to be right. Yeah, I think I think Bielsa being kind of on the edge was evidenced in the first half when Swansea were taking a free kick and he was very unhappy with Dallas's defensive positioning before the free kick came in and he was bellowing at Dallas and Dallas just turned around and kind of gave him a, a verbal volley that, that I'm not really able to repeat on the, on the podcast and, and basically just said, I can't expletive help there. Um, and then the ball came in, it was cleared um, and I think another set piece was about to come in and Bielsa shouted good Dallas good Dallas and kind of put his hand up you know like in that placatory manner that he does to the fourth official the 17th time that the fourth official said just two standing please um you know when he kind of it's almost like his apology you know I know that I was a bit forceful there or maybe I got it wrong and I was yelling at you when I shouldn't have been um and I just want to let you know that that you know I'm sorry without saying the word sorry um and what what was really interesting to me was when Dallas came off at halftime, because Dallas was asked to play two roles. He was asked to play left-back in possession and centre-mid tracking Fulton out of possession. So he found himself, and because Leeds turned the ball over so quickly and tried to move so quickly, he found himself in the middle of the pitch and then trying to sprint out left to get into position to help Jack Harrison. And it just it didn't really work for him. He couldn't really get into the game and affect it the way he normally can. And he came off at halftime, and, and I suppose the temptation for many players, particularly when the pressure is on at this stage of the season, would be to have a bit of a sulk. But Stuart Dallas was on his feet, yelling at, at players, encouraging players, um, coaching Jack Harrison and Alioski on the left. Um, you know, when they came back for the drinks break, he called Jack Harrison and, and motioned to him. I couldn't, couldn't quite see what he was motioning, but whether it was just you know, breathe in, go again. I don't know, but, but it was, come on, Coops. Um, come on, Ben. He was, he was as vocal as Victor Orda is for the kind of duration of the, the second half. And you could see how much they're in, they were invested in this game and how, how much they desperately wanted. To, they, they knew they had to win it, really. Because if they hadn't, you know what the narrative would have been. Brentford keep winning. Leeds have slipped up. That's what the line would have been. That's what the headline would have been. Leeds have slipped up. So they knew how important it was. And, and Dallas kind of embodied the desperation that Leeds had, but also he didn't put himself first. You know, he didn't take time to have a bit of a sulk about being dragged off. He was contributing from the bench because he couldn't contribute on the pitch. And then when the goal finally does arrive, and like you said, you know, you pointed out Ailing's run, it was only after the game when I saw that that I really appreciated Ailing's contribution to that because 89 minutes deep, when you're a fullback in Bielsa's team, you have to run miles and you have to sprint repeatedly. Ailing had already worked back to get into position to receive the ball and then sprinted to halfway, passed it, sprinted again to receive the ball back and managed to dig out a cutback that makes its way to Hernandez and the rest is, is history. But it's classic Bielsa. It's repetition. It's what they've done all season. It's what they know. It's out sprinting and out working the opposition right to the last. And it's, it's that ability to somehow, almost a year into the season and 89 minutes into a tough game on a hot day, 
still be able to make that sprint. When I spoke to somebody about in the uh, who works for a Premier League club about Leeds United's gas tank, he said, "When when you watch those counter attacks or when you watch those late sprints, don't watch the Leeds players. Watch who's jogging, and if the opposition are jogging, then." Leads to have a massive advantage and a massive chance of scoring because the opposition are, are out of out of position and not able to affect the play. And what Bielsa has done for these players is not only give them this process that they trust in and a knowledge that they can they can beat teams by playing this style, but the engine to make it happen. Um, and they must be they must be weary because. They haven't really had a break and we're almost a full calendar year since the season started. So since last preseason, they've, well, if you could take into consideration preseason, they've been going for over a year. You can say the lockdown was a break because they didn't have games, but they, they have very few days off and the work they were doing was, they reckoned was still as intense as training would be. And yet they're still able to run these distances and, and, and complete these sprints. It's, it's remarkable. Yeah, and I think maybe it's managed. Maybe the training methods are managed well, but just to go back to I think what you said about Stuart Dallas and not not sulking at half time, and then I think sort of you could see the they're not sulking at half time, but then fast fast forward it to the celebrations. And I think that sort of just sums up the attitude of of the squad that Leeds have at the moment. They all seem to be on the same page. They're all working towards that one goal, and I think we've seen quite a, a few times where players have been taken off at half-time and if, or, or after 20 minutes in Calvin Phillips's case last season where you could sort of spit your dummy out and be a bit upset. But I think it's that sort of, this goal is bigger than me attitude. And I think that's a lot of sort of the traits that you see of teams that are going for promotion or when you look down the leagues, you look at Wickham at Wembley last night and they very much had that sort of, I mean, that's an incredible story, but... You, that's the sort of trait that you look there and, and see that them they have in that squad is that sort of togetherness and they all genuinely look like mates and they all look like pals and I think it's sort of just that I'm not bigger than this this squad. I think it's Bielsa's got that, but also you know then you you feed into the training methods that they all buy into, which is why they are so fit because if they didn't buy into it, they didn't they wouldn't do the fitness work, would they? So yeah, I think it's it's that belief that he's given them and. I think when you wind back the clock two years and you look at where a lot of these players were probably wondering what was next for them in their Legionnaire career to where they are now, um, that belief that Bielsa has given them both in showing them how they can play football, but also you know, what they can achieve as, as, a, as a group, as Gary Monk would say, um, is probably a big thing as to, to why they have that continuity and unity at the moment. Yeah, and uh, it was... You know, there's a great contrast between the kind of cheerleading that Dallas was doing and Ayu of Swansea, who he had quite a petulant performance. I mean, he put himself about quite a bit. A lot of his game seems to be whinging at the, at the ref and, you know, he, he demands high standards from his teammates, which can often be a good thing. But the manner in which he was doing it was, was very much, I can't believe you've not found me with that pass. Or what, what was that cross? You know, it was like a, it was, it was a negativity to it and a, and a moaning to it, um, and uh, and then of course you know when when he's walking off the pitch, he, he had he had verbals with somebody, not quite sure who it was, possibly Dallas. He was in the region, but I'm, it doesn't strike me. Dallas doesn't strike me as the kind of person to 
to give somebody a bit of grief after after a win. But but Ayu, as he was walking off, um, booted Leeds United's drinks bottles, um, and it just I don't know. It, I'm not, I'm not going to draw any conclusions and say that when you whinge and you moan, you don't you don't get a win, and if you stay positive, you do. But there was definitely a contrast between the attitude that Leeds United had and the attitude that he had, and what they both gained on the day. Um, Leeds United again at full time celebrated. The coaching staff all had a big cuddle. Um, again, it just showed what it means to them. There is an element of relief, but also there's a knowledge that it was a big step forward towards promotion. And I think the, the supporters, whilst still nervous and anxious, um, you know, that picture of Calvin Phillips outside of Greg's, um, that even if his knee wasn't strapped as heavily as it was, there would be people panicking that he's outside Greg's. Um, just because the, the the potential implications of it, but people are on edge because they know what it means and it's so close. And to have it taken away now would be, it would be, I would venture doubly hurtful um, than last season was. But they moved a step closer, and that was that's been recognised. I think in the fan base that that yes, there's tension and yes, there's nerves. But I think there's a there's a a groundswell of confidence. And when you look at the games they have remaining, you know, Barnsley at home, Barnsley have to win that game, Joe. Like Barnsley, Barnsley can't come and play for a point. I mean, that would be, they can't, can they? Re- reassure me, Joe, Barnsley cannot come to Allen Road when they're three points off safety with three to go and play for one point. Well, they could do, but it would be very stupid, wouldn't it, when you... You've got got three games left, and and if you're basically putting the white flag up and saying, well, we've got no intention of trying to win this game, you've only got six points to play for after that. So it would need a, a heck of a swing, wouldn't it? So yeah, they're going to have to come and play, but whether Leeds allow them to do that, like we saw with with well, like we've seen throughout the season, it's going to be interesting. But yeah, I don't, I don't see, I don't see how you could justify as as a Barnsley player or a Barnsley coaching staff going to Willem Road when you've got three, your three points from safety with nine to play and just putting the white flag up, I don't think you could justify that. You've got to go and say, well, at least we, we tried to score some goals because otherwise you're just going down to League One with a whimper, aren't you? Yeah, I, I, well, maybe, maybe they'll figure that you know, other teams around mm. them won't pick up a point at the weekend and a point would still be a point. Um, which and maybe a point would be better than a five nil drubbing if you if you come and try and play because we see what happens when teams do try and play leads. Um, you know we saw what happened when Stoke had to come out. We saw what happened when Fulham pressed leads and and got hit done again and again on the counter attack. Um, Barnsley are in a tricky position coming into this game. You know it's almost it's almost do or die. But if they do try and do, then they might die as well because Leeds will just tear them apart. So they're not in a great spot. I almost think it's it's good for Leeds that there's pressure on the opposition as well, that it's not a, a mid-table team with nothing to play for who can just come and sit in and uh, frustrate Leeds. You know, I, I think it'll, it'll help Leeds that it's not all on them. It's not They're not the only story here. They're, they're the biggest story in the game because of the potential consequences, but they're not the only story. Um, So just to go through some of the ramifications, looking at the table, Leeds are top, played 43, 84 points. West Brom sits second, 43 games, 81 points. 
Brentford third, 78 points. Fulham fourth, 76 points. So Fulham play West Brom tonight. A draw, Joe, would probably be the, the, the most advantageous result from a Leeds United point of view. Yeah, I guess so. But on one hand, you're sort of just thinking, well, it's in Leeds United's hands, so try not to worry too much about what everyone else is doing. But that, that would probably go against human nature, wouldn't it? Because Leeds don't play for another two days. So watching everyone else play again and then looking at the championship table for 48 hours is probably what's going to happen. So, yeah, a draw would be ideal, I think, for in terms of... Well, see, see again, you go through the ramifications. It's like, well, do you want West Brom to win so that Fulham are completely taken out of it? Well, I think Fulham are already, but, you know, like mathematically. Or do you want a West Brom defeat because you've already decided that Leeds are going up and you want them to win the title? <laughs> so it's just arguing, internal arguments. But yeah, draw, I think, is probably ideal. And then uh, Brentford play on uh, Wednesday night. Uh, remind me, Joe, who Brentford got on Wednesday night? They're playing Alex Neal's Preston North End. That's right. And that is a very interesting game. Yeah. Because if, if, if Brentford... If Brentford win, then Leeds United still need four points from three. If Brentford draw and move to 79, then they'll only be able to get 85 points. So Leeds will need three, basically. Leeds will need three points from their final three games. If Brentford are to lose to Preston, Leeds only require a point from three games. So they could do it with a draw against Barnsley. So... I'm not sure there'll be a single Leeds fan on the planet who won't tune in to that Brentford-Preston game, but you're almost torturing yourself by watching it. Um, like you said, though, and, and Calvin Phillips said a couple of weeks ago, he, he tries not to look at other results and not, not to worry about other teams' games and Brentford's games and results. Now, whether he was, he was faking it when somebody said, you know, did you watch last night's Brentford game? And he said, no, no, I didn't. Like, what was the score? Um, I, I'm not sure I buy that completely. Um, you will have players like Matthias Click who, who will probably just be sat on Twitch streaming a game of Call of Duty. But I think there will be a lot of lead, a lot of Leeds players who tune into tonight's game, and I think most of them, if not all of them, will sit down together and watch uh, Wednesday night's game because I, I would imagine they'll be in the in the hotel together on Wednesday night, as is their routine for pre-game. I I would imagine they'll have the TV on and they'll be watching that Brentford game. But don't expect any celebrating until such a time as full-time arrives at Allen Road on Thursday night and Leeds have won uh, or drawn if they only need to, to draw. Um, there's, there's just too many old heads in the squad and, and people who've been through heartache to let the mentality slip in any way, shape or form now. And if, you know, the more kind of excitable members of the squad, um, I think will be kept in check by the likes of Liam Cooper and Stuart Dallas, Luke Ayling, Pablo Hernandez, perhaps. Um, but big, big week and a huge game against Barnsley on Thursday night. We'll be speaking to Marcelo Bielsa very shortly uh, on Zoom. I think the big question for him will be Calvin Phillips, who emerged for the second half with his knee heavily strapped and did not look completely comfortable, it has to be said. He lasted the game, which is a positive, I suppose, if you, if you want to take some reassurance. Um, but that picture of him pictured outside Greg's with his knee wrapped um, 
that's enough to give, I think, palpitations to most of the fan base, and they'll be very, very keen to to hear Bielsa speak on it today. If he is out, Joe, do we see Ben White step into that role and Berardi come in? It seems the most likely. Probably the most likely. Um, I'd probably like to see Dallas there and maybe have Douglas or Alioski at left back, but because I think Ben White is is far better as a centre half and Dallas can probably do a job in that that, that sounds sounds offensive, that's not how I mean it. I mean Dallas can do that sort of role well enough for Leeds to sort of manage through, if that makes any sense. But I prefer Ben White at centre half. But when was it Phillips was missing was it Huddersfield away? Um mm. December and I think, you know, White obviously sort of drifted in and out of that position. So I imagine that that's, that's what would happen. But yeah, I think I would like to see Ben White stay in, in defence. But having said that, Berardi has done well this season when called upon. So you have to trust trust Bielsa's decisions um, at this point because it's, it's got leads to where they are. Yeah. Um, do you feel like you've betrayed your under-23s roots there by not putting Alfie McCallum forward for the big game? Well... I mean, even me with my under-23s hat on saying Alfie McCallum, who's not played a league game all season, just to stick him in to midfield would probably be a bit unusual. <laughs> yeah, we have seen the unusual, but I, but I suspect the answer will be Ben White. Um, good to see uh, Matthias Bogers on the bench at Swansea on Sunday and Bielsa saying that he's grown and developed in, in training. Um, talking about him being an offensive playmaker and someone that he considered an option for the game. Someone else that I think should come in for a bit of praise at the minute is Ilan Meslier, 20 years of age, thrown in at the deep end in a, in a promotion run-in, has shown nerves of steel, I think, and particularly in that game against Swansea when all those free kicks were flying into the box um, and he was leaping through a crowd and punching the ball away again and again. It happened right at the end of the game, after Leeds had scored 95 or 96 minutes deep into stoppage time, he showed real concentration. Um, made one very, very good save from Gallagher, I believe it was, who was excellent, by the way, for the most part of that game. Good player. Um, Meslier has been really, really solid, and I would be aghast if he lost his place now that Kiko Casilla is able to come back in. I think Meslier remains in goal from now to the end of the season. Would you agree with that? Yeah, and also, how quick is he? Bloody hell. <laughs> His 100-metre record must be up there with Usain Bolt for those celebrations. It was incredible. He, you talk about buy-in. He has really bought in to yeah. Leeds, hasn't he, since he came in. You know, you see some loanies. Um, I, I wouldn't say they're standoffish, but they can, they can take a bit of time to fully get ingrained into the, into the team and into the culture. Um, and it's, it always impresses me when, when a youngster especially makes himself a, a part of the, the group, particularly when you've got such big characters in there and experienced players. But um, Paveda managed it, and he's kind of come in and settled in very, very quickly. Meslier appears to have done the same. Um, he, he's been celebrating goals with uh, reckless abandon for a long time, you know, jumping out of the dugout when he was the, the backup to Casilla. But yeah, it was great to see him charge the length of the field and, and dive into the, the celebrations. Great to see them all involved in the way they were. Um, one point that we haven't talked about that I found just really interesting was 
Barry Douglas stripped off and ready to come on. He'd already been he'd already been spoken to by Bielsa to given his given his last minute instructions. Then he'd been told to wait, and then he was brought to the touchline. He was probably two seconds away from stepping onto the pitch, but Bielsa rushed over, yelling, "Stop! Wait! No!" Um, and Bielsa or somebody on the coaching staff had spotted that Swansea, who they thought were going to go to a front three, were actually using Ayu as a second striker in the middle. And so Bielsa instantly decided that Berardi, with his, his better superior heading ability and jumping ability than, than Douglas, who's a player who profits more, I suppose, when the ball is on the deck, was the player that Leeds should put on at that time. And luckily, Berardi was also stripped off and ready to come on. It, it must have been quite hard for Douglas to take because you're... You're in, you're in competition mode. When you stood there about to run onto the pitch, you're switched on and you're already in the game, I suppose. So it, it must have been quite difficult for him to stomach that. Um, and he kind of wandered back to the, the bench looking a bit crestfallen. Berardi runs onto the pitch. I just find that absolutely fascinating that that Bielsa would, would spot that or that somebody would spot that, tell Bielsa, and instantly they change tack. Um, it just shows the level of kind of control that he wants to have over the details and the variables. Um, and I suppose that he's a, de- a decisive decision maker, that, that he's quite happy to, to change his mind definitively at the last second like that and back his, uh, his decision making. And of course, Berardi came on and did pretty well, I think. I can't remember, I can't remember too much involvement, but he was good to have there in the centre of defence with Ayu still making a nuisance of himself. It must have been quite difficult for Douglas to take as well, given that you know he played so well at, at Blackburn and lost his spot, and probably came away from Ewood Park thinking that he'd done enough to retain that. But as we know with with Bielsa, he he doesn't and, and sort of just in that one instance that you're talking about at the at Swansea, but sort of shown bigger uh, in his decision of of replacing Douglas with Dallas is that he. He doesn't sort of he takes the emotion out of it. He just makes decisions based on what he sees in front of him, and, and that's I think why he doesn't try and allow himself to get too close to the players because when he, he gets into these heated moments where he has to make decisions quickly or decisively that he can do, and he just takes the emotion out of it and says, right, actually you're a better option for for fitting in this situation right now. So. So there we are. That's the decision made. Sorry, Barry, you're going to have to go sit down and put your tracksuit top back on. So, yeah, just um, probably a bit of frustration for, for him as well because he, he played so well at Blackburn and then loses his spot. But, again, shows himself as a bit of a team player, as we know with his group, sort of taking the disappointment individually and just celebrating that goal as well with everyone else. It also says to me that the bench is looking a lot stronger now that Leeds are kind of back to pretty much full fitness um, and the bench would have been pretty strong all season you know had Forshaw been fit we also would have had some tricky selection decisions for the middle of the park um, Forshaw of course the good news is that he looks like he will be back for, for pre-season he's had a, a torrid time of it um, and he'll be a relieved man having used words like romp and formality if, uh, if Leeds do indeed go and secure an end to their Premier League Exile. 16 years of hurt could be about to come to an end in the next couple of days. Uh, it's going to be very, very interesting this week. I suppose we, we don't want to preempt too much. We don't want to say too much because nobody wants egg on their face. But 
Thursday night could be a special one at Ellen Road. I think that's all we need to say other than to get your prediction, Joe. Of what? Leeds to go up or Barnsley? <laughs> I'm scared of making any predictions now. Um, okay. Okay, I'm going to predict. No, I think, well, last time you did this, you got everything right. So maybe we should just leave it to you. We haven't even talked about that, have we? The fact that you literally like, must have watched the Blackburn game in your dreams before it kicked off and then everything happened. Um, no, I think Leeds Lee should beat Barnsley 2-0. Two, 2-0. Two nil. Two nil. I'm going to say 3-0. I think Barnsley have gone psychologically. I think it will be too much for them. Uh, I think Leeds will be too much for them, and I think Leeds win 3 0. Uh, I think Brentford also win, by the way, because they're just they're superb at the minute and they're digging out results. And fair play to them because you know they've been chasing Leeds, and, and, and it could have been seriously demoralising to see Leeds um, continue to, to pick up enough points to stay six points clear, and yet Brentford keep coming. Uh, they've made it a very, very interesting end to the season. But I think they beat Preston. Uh, I think West Brom will probably beat Fulham tonight and then I think Leeds beat Barnsley 3-0. Regardless of the team selection and whether or not Phillips is fit, I think they'll just have a little bit too much. Um, I just want to say just before we finish that uh, the outpouring of um, love and tributes to Jack Charlton have been really, really touching to read some of the memories and stories. What a char- I mean, in terms of characters... Um, I talked to Don Matteo a week ago, two weeks ago, and he was lamenting the loss of big characters in football and how there doesn't seem to be as many as there used to be. I don't think they came any bigger or any more colourful than Big Jack. Um, You know, whether you're a Leeds fan or not, I think there was so much affection for him in the world of football. And, uh, And what a story his was. I mean, what a career. Turned down a career with the Northumbria police um, you know, tried life down the mines, decided that that wasn't for him and that he was going to give football a go and came to Leeds at the second time of asking and could well have left Leeds. You know, it was a bit frosty between him and, and Don Revy at times and there was a potential for him to go to Manchester United. Um, I absolutely love that that quote that when he was sat in Matt Busby's office and Matt Busby told him, actually, we're going to go with a um, a homegrown player instead. And Charlton said... You know, towards the effect of I've caused merry hell at, at Elland Road and I'm going to go back to my manager and apologise. Um, and he went back to Elland Road, sought out Don Revy. Um, they put it all behind them and he went on to become one of the all-time great Leeds United players, a record holder when it comes to appearances and a man that, that will rightly be remembered, not just by, by Leeds fans, but by some kind of permanent tribute, which is certain to follow the sad news of his death. Um, it's been a rough, rough time for Leeds United supporters uh, over the past few months. And to lose three men that they held in such high esteem has just felt like hammer blow after hammer blow. Um, and I know that, that you've spoken to Eddie Gray on a few occasions, Joe, and, and hold a lot of affection and respect for him. It must be a very difficult time for him and for the other Revy boys. Oh, you can't imagine what what Eddie's going through the last last few months, and and everyone who was part of that era and part of that team and knows knows the players um, inside out from. Because I think it's hard to overstate just how 
how much they were all mates. They weren't just teammates. They were genuine friends. Like the families would go around and have tea with each other. You know, that, that was the, the culture that, that Don Revy instilled. So they are genuinely, you know, they were and are genuinely friends from, from those teams. Um, so yeah, it's been a, it's been a very sad few months for, for the football club, but hopefully, you know, Leeds can achieve something that is fitting of, of an era that basically defined um, what the football club is at this current moment in time. And I think it's only right that, that Leeds make a more permanent, whether it's a remembrance of, of that era, whether it's, you know, you look at places, I think it's a, it's a Canadian hockey team that have a, a sort of team statue and, and things like that. I think it's about time that, that something was sort of coined on, on along those lines because you're going to run out of stands at you for people that have done so much for these, this football club over the years that I think it's, it's you know there's something needs to be done for for that era of, of players that basically set up Leeds United to to help um, what it is now. So yeah, fingers crossed that, that that can be done soon, and especially for someone like Jack Charlton who who meant so much to the city of Leeds. So there will be. There'll be an awful lot of emotion swirling around Ellen Road on Thursday night if the dream does come true. Um, it will be, it could be the most fitting tribute Leeds United could put together for, for men that made the club great. So let's wait and see and hope and pray that this week gets the, the ending that Leeds United deserve for the way they played this season under Marcelo Bielsa. Thank you very much for joining us on episode 89. We'll be back next week and hopefully we're talking about the season in the past tense.